I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're talking. talking. And Jeff, we're talking about something, uh, two of our favorite subjects. Uh, we're going to talk about ourselves because we've had some people interested into asking about us that uh, you know are not already following in the Elvis tribute world and the Elvis world that are new to the to the world of Elvis. And so we wanted to kind of introduce ourselves and uh, um, except they know just Tupelo Tom and Big Lou. So Jeff, for you, asking you first, how did you uh, how did you discover Elvis? How'd you get into this? Well, when I was a kid on Saturdays, dad would take me around and, you know, I'd go get a toy or something. I was like eight or nine years old or, uh, you know, last week, whatever. Uh, but anyway, we would drive around and I remember we, we came across one of these landscaping nurseries and, uh, they were having a radio remote. Tom, you're familiar with that. Oh yeah. Uh, being in radio and a guy named Lynn Wagner, uh, was there and, uh, it's kind of cool over the years I've gotten to become real good friends with him. He's still here. He's a radio legend in, in Norman and Oklahoma area. He was getting extra money doing a remote. So he was in a good mood. Exactly. And so we went over after that, we went to my grandma's house and she had a record player and I put that record on and I was, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I didn't even know what I was hearing. And I just kept playing it over and over and over. And then I got home and they bought me a record player, one of the old 45 players that kind of was off mm-hmm. white, had an orange handle, and you could sit in the room and play it. And so the next day, mom took me to, I think it was Sound Warehouse, I think that was the record store right up the street, to buy me some Elvis records, because I wanted some Elvis records. That's what dad had said. And, and of course, she bought me several. They were in the oldies section. And this was, you know, mid-70s, so Elvis was still with us, but he was in the oldies section. And of course they had, you know, Hound Dog and Blue Suede Shoes. And I loved all that. All Shook Up, I remember, was one of the first records. But for some reason on the B side of one of the records was Old Time's Sake. Now, I'm like I said, eight, nine years old. I, I don't even know what that phrase meant. You know, before you go walk out on me, you know. But I just loved it. I loved the sound of his voice. I grew up singing Southern Gospel. Maybe that's where it, why it hit me so much, but... I was just mesmerized by him and just my luck. Elvis was coming to Lloyd Noble center here in Norman in March of 1977. And mom got us tickets, the expensive ones they were $12. And I got to see Elvis. Now we sat behind him, which is kind of weird since we paid for the big dog tickets. But at one point I remember it, Tom, like it was yesterday. I remember the, the space odyssey playing and yeah, the drums and how loud they were and Elvis walking out and just seeing this glow because of all the rhinestones. And he looked like a superhero. I mean, literally like he had just stepped out of a comic book or something. It was incredible. And I remember when he did, um, I got a woman and when JD does the big Ooh, part, you know, I remember him saying, land the plane, JD. And I remember JD's name from the stamps when, from, from listening to gospel music. And so I remember the fifties medley that he did in that concert. Cause that was all the songs I knew. But at one point in the concert, he walked around behind the stage and he looked behind him and he said, can everybody see me? Okay. And I was convinced he was talking to me. There's no doubt in my mind. And I'm yelling, yeah, I see you. I see you, you know, and luckily 
someone got a picture of that exact moment. Elvis kind of held his fingers out, you know, like he's holding his cape out or something. And it was in the paper here in the Norman transcript, Daily Oklahoman. And a friend of mine, Robert Klein, actually sent me a, a high-res quality picture of that moment. And that was the moment I remember most about that concert. So that that was how I got into Elvis. And, and it's interesting. If you would have told me back then, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that in 2022 I'd be doing what I'm doing, that I'd be doing the after parties at Elvis Presley Enterprises and actually get a paycheck from Elvis Presley, that I'd be producing festivals, performing, doing this podcast with you, all these things. I'd have said you were crazy. I mean, this job I have didn't even exist. And here we are 45 years after he died and 45 years after I saw him. And this is how I'm making a living. It's it, And it's remarkable to have met all these other Elvis fanatics and friends and family and seeing a movie about Elvis. It's really remarkable. I'd heard about this business. I was in a band and our, our booking agent said, you ever still do your Elvis stuff? And I was like, what do you mean? Those impersonators, you know? And he goes, no, it's, it's an actual industry. There's these guys and, and they do well. So in 2010, I went to watch the ultimate at Graceland during Elvis week. And it was the year Justin Shandor won. And I remember, I think I told this in a previous episode, but uh, seeing Bill Cherry and just being blown away. And I thought, yeah, I want to go ahead and do this. So 2011, I come back, enter a contest. And, you know, at the, at the Hard Rock, last chance, I got runner-up. I was elated. And that's when I met Debbie uh, from Tupelo. And she came up and said, I want you in Tupelo, Mississippi. I'll never forget it. Now here we are all these years later. And Tupelo is my second home. But anyway, Martha Gonzalez, who was the manager at the time, said, would you want to do a show here at the Hard Rock? I just assumed everybody was doing shows at different clubs on Beale Street. And I then I realized they weren't. And so the next year, they asked me to do more shows and um, that's when we, I came up with the idea because I found out other Elvis tribute artists played instruments. Why don't we have a jam session like you do in Nashville? I thought it was just such an obvious idea. And I found out, you know, my buddy Tim played drums and Dwight Eisenhower played piano and, uh, Cliff Wright played guitar. And, and I thought, man, the, yeah, let's just all get together and, and just jam and see what happens. And thank goodness that was the year that Ben Portsmouth won, and he was a great musician. And I think I told this story before. At one point, the Hard Rock was packed, and out of the top 10 guys in the Ultimate that year, eight of them were on stage at one point. One of them was at the bar, and the other one just couldn't get in because there wasn't room. So that became an annual thing. And for years, I would have this... These after parties, I, I kind of would look at e, EPE schedule and make sure not to step on their toes. Didn't want to do anything over what they did, you know. And then we would have the jam sessions at night after they were done. And I'd been hearing that, that um, man, you know, some people from EPE are there. Or they've heard about it. And so I knew there was kind of talks that they'd like 
for it to be part of Elvis week. Well, that was something I couldn't even, you know, that was beyond my wildest dreams that one day I'd be officially part of Elvis week or that anything I did would be officially a part of that. And I remember Dean Z reaching out to me, uh, and said, Hey man, um, I want to hook you up with Alicia and Jen. And those were the, the only Carla wasn't part of that yet. Uh, I want to talk about the, maybe doing your after parties for Elvis week. Once they got everything moved over to Graceland and that area. So we got to talking and then in 2019, we, we have our first after party. The sound was horrible. We were in that metal building. You couldn't hear anything, but yet it sold out right away. And we did after parties officially for Elvis Presley Enterprises. That's when I got my first check that said Elvis Presley on it, which I have framed. And uh, then COVID hit. Then we came back. We're in a much better building now with much better sound. And now we're officially the Elvis week after party. And it all just started from just kind of an idea of why don't we all just play some Elvis music? Nobody dress up, nobody put on a jumpsuit, throw a cap on. This isn't about imitating Elvis. This is about getting up and just playing music. And it's something that I would imagine Elvis just doing in his living room or around, you know, in the jungle room, whatever, just let's just play, man. You know, like, like the 68. To me, that's the thing about your after parties. They're primarily after performances and the guys, much like Elvis, you, you just, after you've been on stage for an hour and a half or something, you just, you, now I got to go to my room and go to bed. I just, it, you, where can we go? There's never anywhere open. And generally we would probably end up in your room and they'd kick us yeah. all out of the hotel. So luckily <laughs> we have a place to go to. And the beauty of how they do it now at, at, at Graceland is at least the most recent one we had, your parties are back at the guest house. Yeah which is where we need to be ending up anyway. Right. So it's much safer for everybody involved. And um, all I got to do is get on the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. And it started out like in Helen um, at my festivals, Helen, Georgia, it was more of a kind of a, Hey, let's all just have some drinks, let our hair down a little bit, or some guys let their hair down. I, I keep my hat on. Some guys let their hair down and leave it in their room. <laughs> That's so. right. Exactly. And so it was more about just kind of getting crazy and, and having fun. And then, then the iPhone and Facebook live thing started happening. And then you kind of had to, had to transition a little bit to, okay, so we don't even allow uh, Facebook live or filming of our after parties in Helen because we just want it to be spontaneous and fun and not, be on yeah and at graceland even it's uh, during elvis week yeah there's a little more structure to it we have the band we kind of have an idea of what we're going to do but there's still some spontaneity there that the guys can cut loose and and the biggest thing i knew i had something the first year i did it at the hard rock when ben won and i looked around the stage and i saw guys laughing and drinking and sweating just ball caps on and jeans and t-shirts just playing music and that's when i thought yeah this is this is why i'm here this is this is what i hope my little small contribution to our elvis family and our elvis world is it's just everybody yeah everybody's competed everybody's done their thing everybody's been doing this now let's just play let's just play music let's just sing and because of the, the quality of entertainers we have and because of the 
the camaraderie and the friendship that we have with everybody, uh, they tend to take on, that's when you know you had a great after party. Not how long it lasted, but when something unique and funny and memorable happens, that's the goal. And those guys who have been performing all night, um, they love Elvis and they love Elvis's music. And it's an opportunity for them to be able to be themselves and to be able to sing that music. But the thing that's so fascinating about the people, especially uh, any tribute artist who's competed, it is a brotherhood. Because I've seen, like I've told the story, I've seen people ready to go out on stage to mm -hmm. compete. And another competitor says, hey, you've got on the wrong ring. Let me give you the right ring. Here, put this ring on. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the guy that's competing against you. But you wanted mm -hmm. to make sure he had the right ring on. Because it's all about Elvis. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy, I tell the story, there was a guy that competed in Tupelo several years ago from France and could barely speak English. But he had filled his stuff out and Tupelo had accepted him. And his first round, he appeared in street clothes. And not even Elvis street clothes, just his street clothes. Because he wanted to say he sang on stage in Tupelo, Mississippi. Wow. Right? So... All the guys got together, and the next time he came on stage, he was in a full jumpsuit because someone lent him boots that fit. Somebody got him a jumpsuit that fit. Somebody else gave him some rings. Somebody else had a belt. This guy's got some scarves. If you're going out there, you're going out there, mm -hmm. and you're going to do it right. Yeah. And that that's those are the guys that are ETAs. Those are the guys I always say, I want those guys on my team if I'm ever on a game show and they start asking Elvis questions. Give me some of those guys. They love Elvis as much as the next person. And just what they do on stage is for every, I've never seen anyone at an Elvis tribute artist show with their arms folded, looking bored. I've, I've seen people, uh, you look out in that audience when I'm lucky enough to get to be Charlie Hodge for a lot of the guys, when you look out in the audience and everybody, man and woman looks like they're about 16 or 17 years old because their faces are lit up and they're just totally into it. And, it's fun. And in this world today, boy, isn't it just nice to have an hour and a half of fun? Is there anything wrong with fun? <laughs> Tom, you and I talked about this before. One of the goals I have with this podcast over time is that I've heard this phrase, Elvis purists, which I think is an interesting term because the most purist Elvis fans I know are our ETAs, they're encyclopedias. They can tell you what socks Elvis wore in 1962 on Tuesday, uh, October 2nd, or whatever, you know. Um, I've had people tell me how they hate, you know, you see it online. They hate Elvis tribute artists. Well, first of all, if you hate something like that, maybe you should get a hobby. That's a pretty strong word for, for, for something like that. <laughs> and, I, and a lot of these people, I look at them, and I think I've never seen them before. I've never met them. They don't come to any of our shows. So why do they hate that again? Uh, and, and I'll see things. Oh, Elvis never would have done this. Elvis. Never, how do you know? And I think to myself, why don't you just come to an event? Because you'll realize that ETAs are the biggest fans ever. And the Elvis family we have that come to our shows all we're trying to do is just for a moment relive what it might have been like. No, we're not Elvis. We're not trying to be Elvis or I say we. I used to be one, but the guys that are really good at it, like our producer Alex Mitchell and these other guys that do such a great job paying tribute to Elvis, 
no, we're just trying to, it's like, could you imagine what this would have been like? And it's 3d, you know, we're not, it, 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 it's like a hologram. We're not having to watch it on film. Just, just close your eyes and let's just imagine what that electricity would have been like. Of course, we're not going to capture what it was like to be around Elvis, but man, can, let's just pretend for a little while. And then let's talk about Elvis. When I first got into this business, it was so weird. Oh, you've got an Elvis room too. Oh yeah, I know that. And I learned so much about Elvis and I just wish people would, that's one of my goals of this podcast is people who misunderstand what, what the Elvis tribute artist business is. Trust me, go hang out, watch it, talk to them. Well, much like, uh, my wife did when I told her I didn't like Brussels sprouts. Uh, she said, have you ever tried Brussels sprouts? And I said, no, <laughs> no, I don't like them. So I tried them because you can't say you don't like it until you try it. And I guess what? I was right the first time. <laughs> I do not like them, but at least I gave them a try. Yeah. And it would, it would mean so much more when you criticize something, if you try it and then decide you don't like it, as opposed to saving the time and just not liking it based on what your no information. Right. And that's fine. You don't have to, you know, there's some, there's different kinds of fans and that's, that's absolutely fine, but don't sit there and denigrate another Elvis fan and think you're better than they are. Right. Because you're smarter or you did this or you did that. We're all Elvis fans. And like I said, when the movie came out, we need to stop arguing at the door and welcome all these new people into the yes. room with us because we've got a lot of great new Elvis fans that are coming in and they want to know everything about this world. And man, we don't own the man and we're going to be gone one day. And I hope to goodness these young people that are coming in based on the movie or because of seeing an ETA any way into the room, I want them to keep this thing going when I'm gone. I, you know, I want another Tom Brown out there. I want another Jeff Lewis out there because we, it's a family and the, the, you never go against the family. You never go against the family. <laughs> well, I will say this time. I, I don't want there to be another Jeff Lewis. When I die, I want sheer devastation. Mm -hmm. I want you guys just walking around going, Oh my God. What what do I do now? He was the glue, but I digress. We we have that planned for Thursday after you're gone. <laughs> so, uh, as a matter of fact, last night I was reading something on Facebook. Graceland has an exhibit uh, with artifacts and things from the Elvis movie. So, when we used to go to Graceland in the late '80s, early '90s, you saw the same thing over and over and over. And I would take friends, but I'd already seen everything. And now Angie and the and the, the team over there does such a great job with this new complex that every time you go there, something is different. You're going to see something you didn't see before. Therefore, we're always going to go back because we're Elvis fanatics. I've got friends that are Elvis fans, but they've gone back to Graceland several times now because it's so different every time. Yet I saw people on Facebook complaining. Why would they bring these Elvis movie things here? What, what's wrong with just Elvis? People, they're not taking the Elvis things down. The jumpsuits are still going to be there. They're adding. They're not taking stuff down. Isn't it just cool to have more stuff and more things to look at? And I just, hopefully, and, and you're never going to change some people, but I wish some people would just go, Oh man, isn't this great? We got something else to look at. I get to see the rocks Elvis suit. How cool is that? Yeah. 
Well, I always say if if you're against the symphonic albums, don't buy them. Yep. Uh, if you're against the movie, don't go. Um, if you're against anything that they're doing, don't go in that room. Um, and you know, you've got the music, you've got the movies, just that that's fine. Like I said, again, that's why there's Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. Essentially the same beverage, essentially. Yeah. But there's Pepsi people and there's Coke people. Yeah. And that, and that's the way it goes. And as long as you're an Elvis fan, that that's really all that matters. I would like for a little more love online, but then again, wouldn't I like for a little more love online about a lot of things? Exactly. Um, I've had, I've seen a lot of things uh, about me online, but it's funny. No one's ever come up to me and said that, right. (laughs) You know, they never come up to you to say anything. (laughs) So yeah, I take it for what it's worth. And I just block those people and I move on about my day. And the one story that I'll kind of end this segment with this, Johnny Carson got attributed to saying something that he didn't say. Folks, when you see a picture, a meme on Facebook or whatever, and there's a quote over it, that doesn't mean the person actually said it. That means they took a picture of a person and just put the quote over it. But allegedly, uh, they had a picture of Johnny Carson that said something like, uh, Elvis died. I wish all the impersonators would die not Elvis or something like that. If life were fair, Elvis would be alive and all the impersonators would be dead. Right. And I, if, if I'm not mistaken, there's no video of Johnny Carson saying that it's just a meme somebody put out. Right. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it sounds like something Johnny would say and it's, it's been attributed to him. Nobody can ever prove that he said that he, he did. There's thousands and thousands of hours of Carson that we will never see again. Cause those tapes don't exist. I find it interesting that we really only knew that quote after he was gone. Right, exactly. And there was a lady that posted on a comment. I couldn't believe it. She said, I wish all the impersonators were dead. I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty intense. And so I went to her page just out of curiosity. And the first five uh, comments I saw or postings she had were, biblical scriptures i thought mm-hmm. uh ma'am uh, you may want to get that book and reread it just a little bit if you think i was impersonator should all be dead just something i want to point yeah. out nobody's ever met her we've never seen her she's never gone to anything and i i just uh i'm, I'm astounded by the 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 uh, passion that people have negatively for something they've never seen or been a part of and and yeah i'm like a lot of people when I was hearing about this business, I thought, oh, you mean those weird impersonator guys? Then I got into it. I went to Elvis Week in 2010 with my friend Jeremy Childs, great actor. Hardly anybody talked to us. There was two people that talked to us, and I'm friends with them now. Um, but nobody kind of welcomed us at all. The next year I went as an Elvis tribute artist, and suddenly I had a brand new family and hundreds of friends and was in a, in a community that quick. And now here we are mm-hmm. over a decade later and some of my best friends in the world and some of my closest, what I call family are from the Elvis tribute artist world. And I wish everybody would give that a chance, just like all of us. Hey, purist, come to the dark side. We want to talk to you. We love you. We hadn't even met you yet. Let's talk some Elvis. Well, who gets to define purist? Yep. Uh, 
who gets to who, who gets to make that definition uh, all i'll say is you're free to like whatever part of it you want to but if you if you ignore the the tribute artist part of it the really good tribute artist part of it you're, you're really missing a lot of fun yes and and that and that's kind of what elvis was all about about having fun meeting people uh jerry and george klein and red west and all those people that i've known said he loved um getting people together yeah. and introducing people that might not know each other and the, you know, the plumber gets to meet the maitre d', gets to meet the the guy headlining the lounge downstairs, and they all stand around and talk together. And they would have never run into each other without Elvis putting them all in a room together. So it's just, a, it's another part. It's, it's, you know, like what you want to like, but it's a lot of fun. We have fun anyway.